This message was recorded at World Changes Church Gold Coast. It is our hope and mission that you further your understanding of grace and are empowered for change. And we just thank you, Lord, that we step out in faith today. And it's in Jesus' name we give you all the honor, all the glory. And the church said, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Come on, give the Lord another hand clap of praise. Amen. We just thank God for Elliot and Mia, the ministry gift that has come here today. Can you, give, can you honor them this morning? Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. God just wanted me to take a moment and honor you. You guys are truly special in our hearts, and we always enjoy you coming by, supporting our worship team so that they can get filled up. And I know that all of us back, that it returns the same way to us. Amen. God bless you, and thank you again, brother. Amen. Well, my brother, that uh, Darren that just came up, he didn't realize that he didn't know what I was going to preach on today, but it's the power of reconciliation. Amen? To be reconciled. And I, I, I used to, when he started telling that revelation, I remember that the, you know, the, the old mathematics that would slide stones across for accounting, you know, and uh, the white stone that he talked about there in Revelation is souls. So not only is that a returning and a reconciliation for you in your individual lives, but I believe, like he said to me in the back earlier, we need to start setting out more chairs with expectation. Amen. We need to, not, we need to put about two or three more rows, even if they do stay empty for one day. God's going to send people to go into those seats. He's going to reconcile this community and bring it back to him. Amen. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So the reality about reconciliation, when I began to ponder on a few scriptures, I, I was looking at Romans chapter 5, verse 2, and I've been looking into this scripture for months, and I, I've looked at it as an inheritance, I've looked at it as access, I've looked at it as the faithful promise that God has given us in Romans chapter 5, verse 2, and I realize when it's talking about Jesus here, it says, by whom, let's go to Amplified, by whom we also have access by faith into this grace, through him also we have our access, entrance, or introduction. So Jesus introduced us to the opportunity by faith into grace, the state of God's favor, in which we firmly and safely stand and let us rejoice and exalt in our hope of experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. I'll leave that scripture up there for a minute. When I begin to look at that, I'm, I'm seeing the breakdown that it's through Jesus. Somebody say, through Jesus. That we have access by faith. Faith being that word, hope. Somebody shout, hope. Faith being hope. Now, when somebody gives you hope, it motivates you. Amen? You ever been motivated by fear? It only lasts in the presence of the tyrant. But when the tyrant leaves, you go back to doing what you think is necessary. But hope when led in love, hope that's lit, that leads you in relationship, gives you something greater. Amen? 
It gives you so much more because Jesus gave us hope. Somebody shout, he gave me hope. Now that was good for, uh, for a few other people, but shout, he gave me hope. Amen. I have that hope this morning. You have that hope this morning. We have that hope this morning that by grace. Now what is grace? Unearned, unmerited favor. Jesus came to teach us how to walk in favor by finishing the law. I'm going to say that again. Amen. Jesus came to teach us how to walk in favor by finishing the law. See, you were operating in debt before. Ah, yeah, I'm getting ready to start. I'm getting ready to preach now. Hallelujah. They've done a good job setting this atmosphere this morning. Amen. Somebody say hallelujah. So, <laughs> you were operating under the law which had a debt. There was a requirement on you to do. Amen. But the, there's a powerful thing about reconciliation. It provides all the provision and requires nothing. Amen. The reconciliation of God provides all the provision and requires nothing. Wait a minute. What about my faith? He gave you that faith. That faith you have, the Bible says he has given each of us a measure of faith. Amen? I'm going to mess you up in some thoughts today. Amen? You're going to twitch a little bit, and it's going to be all right. Just watch the Facebook Live tonight, and we'll answer any questions you got. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. He gave you this faith. He gave you the grace. So that means he paid the debt. Somebody shout, my debt is paid. Now, there's a couple people that get that. Now, if you want to get, if you want to get greater understanding on that, say, my debt is paid. So the word reconciliation means a settlement of debt between two parties, bringing debtless, bringing back together. Amen? Meaning there was something between them that needed settlement. I look at this verse, and it says that this faith that we have, grace has been supplied where we firmly stand, so let us rejoice and exalt in our hope and experiencing and enjoying the glory of God. When I, when I let, read that last part this week, I began to think about it. I was like, man, why are, we not, why are we not rejoicing in the glory of God? We should be the most tweaked up, happy, turned up people in the world. Amen? Amen? We should be so happy everywhere we go. And I know I fail too. I sometimes walk around like a bulldog. That just means I'm thinking, okay? Amen. I, know I don't have the greatest thinking face, but that doesn't mean I'm unhappy. Amen. But we should be the most tweaked up, turned up people in the world because we have the, the glory of God that is settled on us through an inheritance. Amen. Now, an inheritance is a reward. It's a provision. And have you ever had anybody give you something and you go, what do you want? It is in our human nature to require God to define why we don't have to give him something back. I'm going to help you with that today so that you can rejoice. Amen? You are no longer going to require God to explain it for you to rejoice. You're going to have peace that passes understanding. Amen? 
I promise you at the end of this day, before you go to bed tonight, you're going to have peace that says, I know who I am in him. I know who he is in me. And I will be rejoice and be glad in the day that he is made. Amen? Oh, man, y'all, y'all about to get excited. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. So the power of reconciliation. About lost my lid. The power of reconciliation. Supplies. No one can be justified. Say no one. No one can be justified by his own works. Our justification consists of the objective aspect of Christ coming to this earth. In this verse, he said, I came so that through me they could have access to this grace and rejoice in the hope they now have in God. His objective was to reconcile you back into a position where you could walk in the glory of God daily. Oh, hallelujah. Well, why don't I? I don't understand, Pastor Kyle. I'm getting ready to explain it to you. The reason that we're not walking in that daily is because we think we don't deserve it. Either we think we don't deserve it or we're questioning it all the time. Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? Well, why? There is some things that just don't need explanation. I didn't go to my daddy and say, why are you my dad? He would have probably looked at me and said, well, son, me and your mother went. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I knew he was my daddy by the actions he took in my life, and I didn't ask him, why are you my dad? God is God because he chose to be God in your life. Amen? And he chose you long before you ever chose him. Amen? So you don't have to keep working for this. Because we receive justification freely by God's grace through the redemption of Jesus Christ. So we're going to hear some words today. We're going to talk about forgiveness in reconciliation. We're going to talk about justification in reconciliation. We're going to talk about redemption in reconciliation. We're going to talk about atonement or propitiation in reconciliation. But most of all, we're going to understand reconciliation. I'm going to summarize this whole sermon in this, this couple of sentences. We... Didn't do nothing to get God's forgiveness. We didn't do anything to get our justification. We didn't do anything to get our righteousness. We didn't do anything for the atonement. We didn't do anything for our redemption. We didn't do anything for our reconciliation but believe. Amen? The only requirement God has on you is for you to believe. And the enemy is attacking your identity daily. So that you don't know your rightful position because, let me tell you, brother and sister, if you take your rightful position in heaven, that's what, that is what the enemy is afraid of is that you realize who you are, how great you are, that the power and authority that you have. He's trying to tell you you don't have it. He came to Adam and Eve and told a lie and twisted the truth. He's still doing it today. You don't need to eat the fruit. You don't need to lay it down. All you need to do is realize that you've been lifted up and that Christ has done it all and that you have authority here on this earth. Amen? (laughs) It makes me think of that old uh, He-Man cartoon, which I'm showing my age right now. And I have the power, you know. Everybody, all the young people just looked at me. He-Man. You you know, yeah, there we go. 
Let's go to Romans chapter 3, verse 24, and let's look at that. So, have you ever offended anybody? Man, y'all are super saints. Only three of you have offended somebody. <laughs> Praise God, we got the greatest church in the world, Ethan. Only three of them have offended somebody. Have you ever offended anybody? Amen. <laughs> By no means. Let God be found true through every human being in the, is false and is a liar, as is written that you may be justified and shown to be upright in what you say and prevail when you are judged by sinful men. When we offend people, offense positions us back in requirement. Offense positions us back in judgment. Offense positions us back in carnality. So what is the enemy trying to do to you every day? Get you offended. To get you out of your reconciled mindset. If he can get, you can go ahead and go back to the, so he, he wants to get you out of your mindset. He wants to get you out of the place of where you are realizing who you are. If he can get you to think about why are they treating me this way and get you to put yourself back in the center instead of Christ, he is winning in your life even though he can't have the victory. Because the Bible says he's seeking out who he may devour. Seeking out like a roaring lion, seeking out who he may devour. That means there's a permission aspect. I make a decree. I am no longer going to let offense give permission to the devil to have place in my life because I am reconciled in Jesus Christ. Amen? You may do some heinous things to me, but I am not. My life, my status, my, my status quo is not in what you think of me. My status quo is what the Jehovah Jireh shouts out from heaven about me, and that's good enough. Amen? I'm hoping I'm giving you something to stand on. So uh, as I was pondering Romans 5, chapter, uh, chapter 5, verses 12 through 19, I began to look at how God loves everybody. And you know, we see God as this awesome, almighty, omega, alpha and omega, beginning and end, universal, creating God. And he's supreme and omnipresent. He's, he's, his majesty and his glory men couldn't even look on. And I said, how can this great being love me? Romans chapter 5, verse 12 through 19. How can this great being love me? Well, I have to look at the position God takes in my life. I have to look at how I was removed from him by certain things. God didn't move from me. Man moved from God. Amen? The only time you're out of God's presence is when you move out of his presence and begin to think in another position and place. Amen? I hope today that through the power of reconciliation, you take your rightful stance and stand firm in the grace that God has given you. Amen? Amen. So therefore, as sin came into the world through one man and death as a result of sin, so death spread to all men. No one being able to stop it or to escape its power because all men sinned. Verse 13. To be sure, sin was in the world before ever the law was given, but sin is not charged to men's account where there is no law to trespass. Yet death held sway from Adam to Moses, the lawgiver, 
even over those who did not themselves transgress a positive command as Adam did. Adam was a type of the, of the one who was the, to come in reverse the former destruction, the latter saving. Verse 15. But God's free gift. Somebody shout free gift. God's free gift is not at all to be compared to the trespass. His grace is out of all proportion to the fall of man. For if many died through one man's falling away, his lapse, his offense, much more profusely did God's grace and the free gift. Somebody shout free gift. Somebody shout again free gift. That comes through the undeserved favor of one man, Jesus Christ, abound and overflow and to for the benefit of many. Somebody go to, let's go to verse 16. I got to keep reading. I want to get all this in even though I want to shout right now. Nor is the free gift, somebody shout free gift, to be compared to the effect of the one man's sin. For the sentence following the trespass of one man brought condemnation, whereas the free gift, somebody shout free gift. Following many transgression brings justification and acts of righteousness. Let's settle once and for all. You do not have to work for your righteousness. Let's settle once and for all. You do not have to work for your justification. Let's settle once and for all. You do not have to work for your forgiveness. Let's settle once and for all. You do not have to work for your redemption. This is why the Bible says, let every man work out his own salvation with fear and trembling. Because every man has got to come to the place that they reverently circumspect, look at this grace, and say, you know what? I just believe God. And I believe him today. Somebody shout, I believe him. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, or offense... Death reigned through that one. Much more surely were those who receive God's overflowing grace, unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness. Somebody say free gift. No matter what you did last summer or what you did last night, as long as you've repented, turned around, and said, you know what, God, I take my rightful position, guess what? You're still righteous. Actually, can I blow your mind? You were righteous while you were doing it. I just had to take a moment and let that sink in. Because some people, the law, religion will teach you, no, 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 you lost your righteousness. Well, if your righteousness was not yours to give or take away, how in the world did you lose it by your actions or how in the world did you gain it by your actions? Amen? Your righteousness is what brings you back from that sinful choice. Amen? Your righteousness is what puts you in the spirit and gets you from carnality thinking into spiritual thinking. Can I tell you, you are righteous right now. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. I know where I'm going. Y'all shouting now. I'm going, whew. Come on, Jesus. Let's go to verse 18. When then, as one man's trespass, one man's false step, as falling away, led to the condemnation for all men, so one man's act of righteousness leads to the acquittal and the right standing with God and life for all men. Stop. Let's look at this real quick. One man, all men sinners. One man, all men righteous One man caused a curse while one man lifted it. Amen? 
Why is Paul going in? I mean, it's like verse after verse explaining the same thing. He's trying to get us to understand that the offense of man brought sin, but now that the, (laughs) I just can't get it out fast enough. But by the obedience of Jesus Christ, all men were made righteous. So through one man's disobedience, all men were made sinners. But by one man's obedience, all men were made righteous. Somebody shout free gift. So let's go to the word redemption before I go too much further as we go to Romans 5, 6 through 10 here in just a second. Right now there's a turkey waiting over at Target. I don't know. I'm just using, I thought two T's and it would sound good. There's a turkey waiting over at Target, and uh, maybe that doesn't mean much to you, but who, who likes turkey? I like turkey. Amen? And if I gave you a ticket and, said, and it says, redeem one turkey for this person, right, a redeeming ticket, do you have that ticket at this point? No. You have the ticket, but you don't have the turkey. Amen? I know. I, I just gave you the ticket. So you got the ticket, so you're redeemed. Now, the fruits and the benefits of that redemption are waiting at Target. My faith, my hope is that when I go over there, that the power of this ticket is good enough for Target, for me to get my turkey. Amen? Amen. Let me tell you how it works in the kingdom of God. God said, here's the ticket and the turkey. Amen? All you got to do is receive the redemption, and you reap all the benefits. Amen? Can I tell you, you got to believe that you're redeemed. Can I tell you, you got to believe that you're justified. You've got to believe that you're forgiven. You've got to believe that you're reconciled. So if Jesus obeyed everything, nah, sucky, sucky now. If Jesus obeyed everything and made every sacrifice, what's left for me to obey and what's left for me to sacrifice? Believe. So what am I obeying now? My faith tells me that I have, but what I believe about that hope. Have you ever gotten a ticket and never redeemed it because you thought, "Mm, maybe not? You know what I mean? You've got to believe what you have. The only thing that robs you of what you have is unbelief. If someone gave you a ticket that printed out and it was all pretty and maybe it looked like gumdrops and, I don't know, it just looked too kitty and it was wrote, written in crayon, said take this to the bank and they'll give you a million dollars. Are you going to look at it in crayon and go, well, because it's written in crayon, it must not be a legal document, so I really don't understand. Maybe that's just how that person communicates with the bank. Is Maybe they just communicate with crayon. And would you stop judging the package that it came in and just go get your million dollars? Amen. What God is trying to say to us today is we judge the packet. We judge the speak as a good talk or the experience of of church or the experience we've had with Christians. And then we determine whether we believe or what we receive based on the actions of others. The actions of others is what got us in trouble in the first place while the action of one man got us seated in heavenly places. Amen. Somebody shout free gift. Romans 5, 6 through 10. (laughs) Man, I'm going to get somewhere someday. So what do you obey today? What you believe. You obey what you believe about yourself. And I want to change that belief today. Amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, your life's about to change. We know that our old, (laughs) 
I love how I love how the Holy Spirit orchestrates messages. Amen. We know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil. Well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. Well, the devil, you know, it sounded like a good deal. Oh, no, I just woke up next to her and my arm was stuck. I, you know how you got there. Amen. Everybody with a mature mind knows what I'm talking about. You keep blaming everybody else. There is no excuse except the excuse we make. Amen? Now, I'm not condemning. I'm saying, listen, there is nothing that is making you draw away of the sin other than you submitting and believing, I just can't be, I, I'll never be better than this. How many times you heard people say that, Ethan? Well, I, did, I tried. Uh, like people, when they talk about dieting there, and they, they talk about dieting, they say, well, I'm just always going to, I'm always going to be big. I just gave up on dieting because I'm just, I guess I was just made this way. No, uh, you know, eating that extra bowl of Cheerios at 11 o'clock at night is what, you know, anyway. Amen? Amen? Chocolate. But it's a choice. It's what you believe. Do you believe that you're always going to be this way? Somebody shout, No. Do you believe you're always going to be this way? Somebody shout no. no. Do you believe that Jesus made a way so that you could have everything that you need in this life to prosper? Somebody shout yes. yes. Then praise God. Somebody shout free gift. So that's what we have today is we have a free gift that we have access to the whole inheritance of the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. But I realized something as, as it was nailed to the cross. Let's go on to verse 7. Romans 6 and 7. For when a man dies, he is freed, loose, delivered from the power of sin among men. So sin is still present, but it no longer has dominion over us. Amen? Let's go to verse 8. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Go to verse 9. Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. Verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it once and for all. And the life that he lives, he is living to God in broken fellowship with him. Man, unbroken fellowship with him. Can I tell you, I am living in unbroken fellowship with God today. Amen. I mess up, and I don't, I don't sing the song, It's Me Again, Lord. No, no, no. I, I know, Daddy, I messed up, and I know you can fix it. Somebody say, Daddy. Daddy. Amen. The issue is, is that we believe that we've been reconciled to a deity. We believe that we've been reconciled to an all-supreme God. But in truth, we've been reconciled to a Father. And when you begin to look at that it was a God that's all-powerful who took the position of Father-Creator, but also the position of Abba-Daddy that says, I'm going to take care of you. Amen? Amen? Then that means that we have a Daddy that when I live in His house, I have all the amenities to His house. Amen? Amen? I turn on His power and lights come on. Amen? I, I go to the fridge, and there's provision there. Amen? 
All I got to do is believe that I have access. Somebody say, I believe. I have access to everything my daddy has. So the position has to become, it has to switch from a servant to a son. You are not called to be a servant first. That was the action of being called a son, a daughter. See, sons and daughters, they serve their father, at least in old ways they used to. Now it seems like I'm serving my kids more than they serve me. Hallelujah. Come on, will you just please take out the trash? I'll give you $50. Just go do it. Just please do your chores. How about just take a bath? I'll give you 100 bucks if you just take a bath. Amen? Please. Every parent in the room knows them. But the way family is structured is that, and me and Ethan, me and uh, Elliot were talking back in the back. The prodigal son went out with his inheritance and spoiled his inheritance. And in the mire of pig slop, he made a conscious decision. Even the servants are fed better than I am, taken care of better than I am. He received his redemption and his forgiveness in that moment because he reclaimed his identity as a son. Because the story is about a prodigal son. And he came back walking down the road, and he came back and he, looking at his daddy. His daddy, daddy ran to him with a robe and a ring and said, Please, feed. Let's, let's have a feast for my son. And he said, I've been looking down this road every day waiting on you to come. That means that every day he was out there in his mess, he still had his father's love. Every day he was out there in his mess, he still had his father's forgiveness. Every day he was out there in his mess, he still had his father's justification. Every day he was out there in his mess, all he had to do is turn around and come back to his father's house and all would be restored. So he looked in his mess and said, this isn't good enough for a son. You need to look at your, you need to, oh, it just can't come out quick enough. And I talk fast enough as it is. Amen. You need to realize that your mess does not define who you are. God has defined who you are. Your circumstance and your sin doesn't define who you are. God has, and he calls you sons and daughters of the Most High, and he paid the price to reconcile you back to him. Therefore, there's no excuse, there's no reason, there's no why, there's no how. Just come back home. Amen? Quit. Making excuses that you think your daddy wants to hear about why you messed up. Can I tell you, he knew you were going to mess up before you messed up, so there's no reason explaining it anyway. I watch my, let me tell you the truth. I can watch my sons. I can, I can watch them go do something like, they're going to break that? Oh, my goodness. Why you let them do it? Because they got to learn. They got to learn. So as a daddy, there's sometimes... I let my children walk certain things out just to, let, to teach them a lesson, but I'm right there waiting to jump in, saying, you want my help? No, no, I got it. You ever done that? All you sons and daughters have done that, and all, all you dads and mamas have experienced I got it. And then when it breaks, they come back with pieces going, fix it. <laughs> fix it. And what do you do? You fix it. You come back. Even though God told you how, when, and who, where to go, you come back, and God's willing to fix it because he paid the ultimate price so that you could have a relationship with him. 
Amen? You need to realize he didn't call you as a servant first. He called you as a son. He didn't call you to do and then I'll save. He called you to I am the one that saves to the uttermost. And once you realize that, serve me in my house. Amen? Isn't that good? Isn't that good? <laughs> Man, I didn't even get through point one. <laughs> Christ died for us. <laughs> Amen. That's going to be the thing everybody does all day. Free gift. Offense of one, judgment came on all. The reality is that Jesus has reconciled us so that we no longer have to walk with our heads down uh, heads down low because Paul unequivocally states that Adam brought death and Jesus brought life. But if we can realize the position, the Bible says we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Somebody say joint heir. That means I have all my needs met according to my daddy's riches and glory because Jesus is the son of the most high. I am a joint heir with the most high. So that must mean I'm in the family. Amen. See, you weren't called to a kingdom to serve a king. You were called to a kingdom to be a prince or a princess. You were, or, and someday to be a queen and a king. Can I tell you, you were not called to be a peasant to serve the king. No, no, no. He, don't need, he doesn't need any more servants. He allows us to do that as an opportunity to show him love. Amen? <laughs> Are y'all getting this today? So you've been justified. You've been reconciled. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14, you've been reconciled to what? 2 Corinthians 14 and 15. You've been reconciled to what? An un... Oh, man, a relentless love. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. Let's look at it. Amen? Anyone got it in your Bible? Amen. For the love... Of Christ controls and urges and impels us because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one died for all, then all died. Verse 15. And he died for all so that all of those who live might live no longer for themselves, but to live for him who died and was raised again for their sake. The Bible goes on to say in other verses. He did not give you the spirit of, of fear, but the spirit of adoption. You are no longer orphaned. You are no longer without, and you're no longer shortchanged. God has paid the debt. Somebody say, my debt is paid. My provision is supplied. I am in right standing with God. I am in right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21. So, I remember a story of the two sons. Jesus was rebuking the Pharisees and the scribes. And he was telling them about a father that went to a son. And said, son, will you go work in my vineyard? I need some help today. We're lacking a couple of servants over there. Now, you're my son. I wouldn't ask anybody else because I don't trust anybody else, and you're my firstborn. Would you go? The son replied back and said, oh, no, I won't. 
surely won't. I will not. <laughs> so the daddy, in much surprise, said, okay. I surely thought my son would help me. So he went to the second son. He said, son, I need some help over in the vineyard. Now, you're my son. You're not a vineyard worker. That's not who you are to me. But I, I need you to go work in the vineyard. And the son, out of respect and reverence and tradition, said, I'll go. But didn't go later. But the one that said, I will not, thought better of it and went because he said, you know what? My dad said he needs some help. Now, Jesus is rebuking the Pharisees about the shame of knowing the traditions, the shame of knowing the law, but not adhering to it. While the Gentile and those that have received salvation through this fulfilled new covenant that was about to come, didn't know it, didn't respect it, but now we're given opportunity to be sons serving in the house. So when God leads you to do something, he's not calling you a servant. He's not calling you an apostle or an evangelist or a pastor or a preacher or a missionary, an elder or a deacon or just sheer Christian. You're not a census checklist. Those are the things you function as you're working. But see, your sons and daughters that have been reconciled, and there's power in that. Because, see, you were disconnected to the power of God before you ever met him, but it was available to you. You had forgiveness before you ever believed it, but he didn't ask for your permission to forgive you. He forgave you anyway. He said that when they were yet sinners, he sent Jesus to die on the cross. Amen? So, in that story, did either one of them lose their sonship? No, no, no. One just chose to serve, the other one chose to be self-centered. Reconciliation is the commitment that God made to us. I'm not asking you to be a servant. I call you friend. I'm not asking you to be a servant. I've called you son. I just want you to love me and believe that I love you. And I want the enemy to stop roaring in your ear and shifting you into thinking that I've given up on you. From the moment Adam and Eve made the fall, I was making a way where there was no way. Amen? <laughs> you're a son and you're a daughter. And the reason that people have such a hard time with this type of message, is that it requires them to believe that they're forgiven and it requires them to forgive. It requires them to believe that they're justified and to stop judging others. It requires for them to believe that they're redeemed and stop segregating certain types and actions of people out of the house of God just because of the way they look or smell. Everyone's redeemed. He's asking you to know that we are all one body and that he loves us equally. And we can do more together. Amen? We can do more together as sons and daughters instead of those that are trying to earn our position. 
instead of those that are trying to earn a place. God said, I've given you place. Your anointing will put you before kings. God has made a way, but not just for servants. He's made a way for sons and daughters of the living God. And he gave up his son just to show you how much he meant it. You've been reconciled. There's power in that today. Amen. So as you stand to your feet, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Come on, give him some praise. You've been reconciled. As the prayer counselors come and the lights go off, I knew I wouldn't get through point one today, and that's okay because I didn't come to tell a story. I came to give a revelation. And this revelation seemed to be radical and new, and maybe you've never heard it before, but it is the basic foundation of our faith. That inside of reconciliation is forgiveness, redemption, justification, atonement, righteousness, which is the ring and the robe that we wear that was given to us. Amen. World Changes Church Gold Coast can be found at Instagram at WCC Gold Coast and on Facebook at World Changes GC. Or you can email us, send to info at worldchangeschurch.com.au. Enjoy the rest of your day and God bless.